welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and when you're older, you'll realize that I'm right. Barry's here to give us complete knowledge and spiritual understanding of his sermon last weekend, but before we shape up or ship out, now that they've held their beliefs with a tight fist, let's welcome in our favorite extra pieces to assembled Ikea tables, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good, day. Good day. They do, they do include extra pieces and yeah. I've, I've discovered that they actually, it's cheaper for them to send you the extra pieces than to design extra custom containers for the pieces that you just need. So I've had and one. And also have great food. At Ikea. I don't know anything yeah. about that. Oh, no. Like, so we, I just went to Ikea Sunday after church. Sunday after church. <laughs> <laughs> Something drove <laughs> me you there. Me and Desi went to Ikea to pick up, um, we basically treated it as a grocery store, you guys. We just went to like the frozen section and tried to find those veggie It took you 23 medallions. minutes to get there once you were in the store. <laughs> Desi knows all the shortcuts. If you ever want a guide, a fast guide How does she know Ikea, this? Why is does. she going to Ikea all the time? So there was an Ikea maybe 20 to 30 minutes away from us when we lived in on the south side of Chicago. We used to have to go all the way up to like the far, far north to get to the Ikea mm-hmm. out in Schaumburg, I think it was. And then they built one. They built one in God rules oh, near Downers Grove. Anyway, um, it was a 30 minute drive. So we used to go there all the time and it was like our happy, happy place. Me and Des, we'd get the Swedish meatballs <laughs> and I'd get the veggie medallions and we'd be <laughs> the happiest of clams. So we, we kind of relived that this weekend, but we realized like, do you realize you can take that frozen food home and then you can have the Ikea experience anytime you want? It's wow. magical. That, that like I've had one experience anxiety with- of like being not knowing where you are or which direction is north. Yeah. I love that. When I'm in <laughs> Ikea, I, I, I love that. I think I loved it more pre-pandemic because I'm that person that would like sit on every couch mm. just to check it out. Mm. How comfortable is this couch? The answer is not usually. Uh, the couch in my living room under which you found a meatball Speaking years of meatballs, ago, Swedish. That, <laughs> that is an Ikea couch. Uh, I've had one <laughs> Ikea experience, only one, and it involved me almost getting into a fight with another person because <laughs> okay. my wife, we were, because you have to like leave your cart outside of the cafeteria, right? Mm-hmm. You can't bring your cart in there. So everybody leaves their cart out there and there's my wife the whole time has a, one of those carts with the creak squeaky wheels. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the cafeteria part and she's like, Ooh, I'm going to trade this cart out with someone else's empty <gasps> cart. Well, the guy saw us do oh. that and saw us just kind of like taking his cart and there was That's a confrontation and guess who had to talk him down? <laughs> Me. Sorry, so that, that happened, happened, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I yelled I, at Lauren. I just I hate it when someone touches my cart. Uh, but while we were there, we bought a shelf unit for my board games, and uh, I remember this. There were no written instructions, just pictures. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not down with IKEA. It I'm it, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> We got some blinds from Ikea that like are full, full length over like the window for our door in our bedroom. Does that make sense? Like they, they, you pull them all the way down and then they like stay. And then when you like 
you tug them down and then they go all the way back up again. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Just like blinds. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Cleo, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I know blinds, that's a long, it. that's, it's a yeah. long explanation. So Cleo in the, in the morning, she'll go out that door to go outside to go to the bathroom. And she's figured out that if she like hits the blinds, she can open them all the way up and oh, they were forced yeah. to let her out. So she does that every morning. She hits them and goes, and then zzz, all the way up. That's oh, all. wow. That's my Ikea blinds story. That involves yeah. a puppy. <laughs> there, I'm done. I don't need to ever go back. I don't, I don't need to go back there. <laughs> yeah. Jed, Jed feels that way too. One time I, I asked if we could go there on my birthday and he's like, do you have a friend that, yeah. that could go with you? <laughs> yeah. He, he says that Ikea, I think I've said it on this podcast before that it drains him. Me too. Yeah. Like it's a just couple a- of feet in, he's just drained. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about like, auto parts. Well, like I if I walked into auto like an too. auto parts store, I would just feel immediately drained. So I, I get it. We each have our thing. Mm-hmm. See, Ikea just wants you to have an experience, right? That's what they care about. They don't everything. When I go somewhere, it needs to be a transaction. Like that's right. how I'm viewing. So like you're just in and out. Yeah. I'm there for yeah. a shelf. All right, show me where the shelf is. Well, actually, you're going to have to take that the roundabout way. Shelf is in the yeah. office. But you get yeah. so many cool ideas on your way to that and then shelf. You see the shelf. You're like, I want this. You're like, well, you got to go to the warehouse and it's uh, Bay <laughs> E7. And you yeah. go to Bay E7 and you got to get the whole thing off by yourself. And then you go stand in the line and yeah. Yeah. But you get so but many it's such cool an experience. ideas. <laughs> Two yeah. hours later, you're putting a shelf together with no instructions. Should we talk about something other than Ikea on this podcast? I just realized we've been talking about it for like 40 minutes. Uh, how are you guys? How's your week? We are, uh, we're, we're a little hangry. We're a little hangry probably right now, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So that's why we do you explain why, meatballs and Well, Grace Church is experiencing a corporate day of prayer and fasting. Right now, uh, governing board initiated this. Uh, it's a great thing. So um, we're participating, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys regularly do this. This is like one of the first times I've ever participated in something like this. But yeah, it. I'm in, I'm in the headache stage mm. <laughs> where yeah, I've had yeah. water. Yeah, but, you need uh, to get you some more water. Yeah, friends so. of the pot. It's it's three p.m. So it's been three hours with no lunch. <laughs> So it's not like leaving. Yeah, it's, I know it's a hard, when I was in, when I was in Kenya in 2005, I was on like a, this sweep of like spiritual discovery and, and self-discovery. And I went on this personal retreat that was like a 48 hour personal retreat. And, uh, I decided I was going to go the entire time without food. And I had never done it before. I'd never tried before. And so I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And there was a point. So like, I want to say like the next morning, the first morning after I took the whole day to fast the day before where I was literally standing in the shower, physically shaking. My entire body was shaking and I, I thought I'm going to die. So I went down and I was like, I was like, I know I didn't pay for food, but can I please have some food? And so I ate like a loaf of bread, like five eggs and like, and like a whole pot of coffee. And then I went back up to my room and just like slept like the dead. And then when I woke up, I had a, the most amazing time of prayer that I'd ever had, which unlocked the rest of my prayer life. But mm-hmm. all that to say, I was not great at the fasting thing. And so yeah. that's all. I just remember, I'll never, I'll never forget just like standing in the shower, just physically just shaking my whole body. Believe God. Wasn't ready. 
Well, it's good. I hope I hope a lot of people are participating in this because we don't really do this that often. But um, just with everything that we've been talking about the past few weeks, uh, with the nature of things at Grace, I I'm glad that the governing board suggested this and are kind of initiating this. And and uh, for me today, it's been I'm uh, believe it or not, I typically focus on the on the negative things. Believe no. it or not. Believe it or not. Not you, Tyler. I have a tendency to, I know it's surprising, <laughs> but I have a tendency to focus on what's not working about things. But today, um, I've, 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 when I feel hungry or when I feel whatever, it's like my, my, my first reaction is, all right, I need to pray about this. I need mm. to um, think about God or what, where's God right now in, in this moment. So I think that's the point. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good, good experience. I think so far <laughs> for me, I mean, what it does, the the reminder is always dependence. Like, okay, I'm so dependent on God the way I'm dependent on food. And that, that's kind of what it reminds me of. But the funny thing is in this moment where we are at grace in the middle of this restructure, this reorientation, like, I don't think I need any reminders about dependence on God. Cause I'm very much aware of, of yeah. how dependent I am on him, but it's still, it's, it's really a worthwhile exercise. So I hope, I guess you guys Friends of the pod will be listening to this in the future. I hope uh, I hope you got a chance to participate. And if not, there's nothing magical about Tuesday, March 9th. So feel free to <laughs> fast another time for Grace Church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will the will the schedule still be posted online? If a yeah, friend we'll of the keep pod it up. It's uh, gracechurch.us slash fast. I mean, yeah. no one else will be doing it. But if you want to do it by yourself, that's fine. No, I mean, <laughs> it's a reading schedule. Yeah, that's um, right. That. There are scriptures to read by morning and then scriptures to read by midday and scriptures to read uh, in the early evening hours. And I think that's one of the coolest things is being able to give a material or something like that to support our people and not just being like, all right, we're not going to eat. Right. It's so much more than that. We're seeking God together. Yeah. Beyond that, what's new? What's happening? You guys all right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking a week off next week. Finally, um, I'm really looking forward to it, but I just, and I, my whole thinking was I can finally spend like a week in nice-ish weather outside planting plants and working on my, my garden and doing all that stuff. And it's supposed to rain and snow all next week. No. So no. Uh, one day of uh. snow potentially. So anyway, I'm, I'm wow. changing my plans. I'm going to work, focus on seedlings, getting those started in the house, but I'm looking forward to kind of getting back to growing things. Cause I had such a blast mm-hmm. with that last year. And this year we're definitely taking it to the next level with how much stuff we're growing. So permaculture 2.0. That's right. Well, I'll, yeah, a lot of annuals, a lot of different annuals than we did last year. We learned a lot. And so can you yeah. post some videos? I will. I will I would watch that. I'll put, I'll put some more videos on YouTube. I haven't touched my YouTube channel in ages, but yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, you guys got a new chicken. I'm sorry. My computer Hello? just died. Did you say me. something I to me? I I, here's what I heard. I just heard, uh, it. and I was like, what? I don't, what did you say, Tyler? <laughs> I said, you guys got a new chicken, right? We did. We got a new chicken. Her name is, what do we name her? Luna. Um, Luna is super sweet and she just wants to like be near us. She like comes up to us uh-huh. and wants to get on our oh, shoulder. Oh, she in your house? 
No, she's out she's with, with the chicken. other. No, 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 no. She's out with the other chickens. But when we go in there, the other chickens like flee in terror because unless we yeah. have like tr- treats for him, but like, <laughs> like Luna just wants to come up and hang out with us. It's, it's great. And Good. she's such a talker. We love her. Where'd you so. get her? Um, so there's a, a Grace family. They had a flock of chickens, but for whatever reason, some predators were finding their way to take them out. And so one by one they were getting eaten and, and they were all dying. And so she was the last of her flock and they were facing the prospect of her probably getting eaten by a predator or dying alone in this harsh winter. And so they said, Hey, would you guys be willing to adopt her? And we're like, heck yeah, that is, that is very much up our alley. So anyway, she's great. So it's everything you dreamed of. You're a bunny singer. You're a chicken sanctuary. It's happening. And it, it is. <laughs> she's other than rabbits. She is the first animal that is a pure actual adoption. And like, we actually like help to save her, her life. So okay. it is cool. Okay. And it's cool to have such a great setup. Who you know, we've got who? this huge coop and this huge run. And like we even inside the, the run, we've got this smaller coop and smaller run where she can, we put her there for a few weeks to get introduced to the rest of the flock. And then we started giving them like, you know, play dates or whatever you want to call it. And now the other night, this is the sweetest thing in the world. So she's been, we've, we've started leaving it open, the inside one open so that she would, they, all the other chickens would go into the, into the coop and then she'd go into her own little coop and sleep by herself. And then just the other night I went to go tuck them all in and make sure that everything was secure and locked up. And I couldn't find her in her coop. And I was like, Oh no, where's, where's Luna. And then I went and I looked in the big coop and there were seven chickens in a row with Luna right in the middle of them. Oh, all just, she's, just she's lined one up. of them. She's part of the flock now. So. All right. Good. Good. Hey, who rescued who? Right. (laughs) I think it's whom. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) how are you guys? What's going on? What's new in your world? Marin, what's new? Just loving this weather for as long as it'll last. Did you guys get outside? You hiking? I did. No, I didn't. I didn't hike. Um, Yesterday I had to meet a friend for lunch in downtown, downtown Noblesville. And I thought, I'm just going to ride my bike there. I've never ridden my bike to downtown Noblesville. I was, I was misinformed wow. by Google Maps yeah. <laughs> that there's something called the Nickel Plate Trail. <laughs> Apparently, it's near to my home, but it only exists for about like a mile. And then it just turns into like rubble. rubble. So what should rubble. have been, according to my phone, it was a five mile trip. It turned into a seven and a half mile trip one way. <laughs> you didn't turn around? No, I was t- already committed. I was too deep. I, I had to keep going, but it felt so good. That was my first good. time riding my bike since this year began. Mm. And I always tell people like, I feel like I'm nine years old when I'm on a bike. Like it's like the happiest, freest that I feel. I, I grew up riding bikes with my dad and um, it's something we always did as a family. And so it just made me feel yeah. really good to reconnect with something like that. So loving this weather. It uh, it's occurred to us that this year is probably training wheels year. It's like, you got to get a new bike, do the training wheels, teach them how to ride a bike without training wheels. Like that's probably this year. So he has a balance bike, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Results, results are uh, hit or miss with that. I find that kids that have a balanced bike take to the actual bike like so much faster. I hope so, because he's not really taken to the balanced bike part. <laughs> we get we get probably a house down like we're like, all right, we're going to go on this bike ride. 
and we get probably next door. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk. And so I'm end, I end up like carrying his bike the rest of the way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this year, probably my wife's already on like Facebook marketplace looking for bikes. So nice. Nice. That ought to go well. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So we are wrapping up our sermon series, Credibility Gap. And this week, Barry, or last week, Barry uh, preached on the topic dogmatism versus wonder. And so, Barry, for anyone who hasn't yet heard or watched the sermon yet, uh, what's kind of the big idea you wanted people to, to walk away with? What did I talk about? There's a lot in this sermon. Uh, as Marin said before, th- before we began the podcast, she was like, that was a lot. And I was like, yeah. Well, I right. think what I meant by that is it made me like every two sentences out of your mouth p- prompted a new question in my mind. <laughs> but what about, but, but, yeah, but yeah. So I, I yeah, yeah, it was good. There was a lot. But well, it was good. thanks. Uh, what I was essentially getting across is the idea that you know, as with as with every week in the series, Christians are perceived in our culture, in our community, in certain negative ways. And, you know, really what our question is not so much like whether they're right or wrong, but like, what are we going to do about it? How do we how do we respond? How do we do better so that that those who don't believe in Jesus would actually be interested in in meeting him and not simply turned off by the credibility gap that exists between us and them? So this week we were talking about the topic of dogmatism or the idea that Christians um, don't, they don't, they're not rational. They don't, they hold their beliefs with defensiveness and aggressiveness and they don't, they're not open to questioning. They're not, they're anti-intellectual. They don't reason or whatever. And um, one of the ways that I talked about how we can do better when it comes to that is uh, by looking at what the apostle Paul said to the church in Colossae and the way he kind of describes faith, he talks about the fact that that they have confident hope in the message of the gospel. But then he says, but our prayer for you is that your faith would grow, that your spiritual wisdom and understanding would would flourish, that you would you would grow in Jesus so that you would bear fruit in your life. And so I took that and I held those two ideas up and said, look, we can have confident hope, but we also have to acknowledge how much more we have to grow. And so what I was essentially trying to get across is that we can close the credibility gap when it comes to not necessarily what we believe, but in how we believe it. And we can have a choice between holding our faith with a tight fist uh, or an open palm. And I was suggesting to do the latter, to have our hold our faith with an open palm will lead to um, us having a far more... Uh, uh, open and less dogmatic approach to faith that would actually draw others in rather than repel them. And I gave some, some practical ideas at the end of the message on things we can teach ourselves to say uh, that would help us have that open palmed approach instead of a tight fist. So there we go. That was basically it. Yeah. So you focus primarily on Colossians one and the idea of confident hope was interesting and something I'd never, I mean, I've never really thought about. Uh, outside of college, because I feel like college was the time for me to just like talk about certainty or uncertainty or wonder and um, whether or not we could prove, you know, prove God exists and that kind of stuff. But ever since then, I've not really thought about things like confident hope. Hmm. Um, But when I, when I read this and after, you know, watching the sermon, is confident hope similar to like when Jesus talks about like faith, like a child, 
is it, is it kind of in the same universe as of thought where it's like, um, hopeful, but super trusting, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it kind of reminded me of that for some reason. I think, I think trust is the right word because what it is, is it's the level, it's a, it's a, it's not just a belief. It's actually something that I'm so confident in. I'm willing to change my life because of it or give my life to it. Mm -hmm. That's confident hope It's to say like, yeah, I'm, I'm sold out that, that the gospel message is true. And so I'm going to give my life to it. That doesn't mean you don't have doubts. It doesn't mean you don't have, but it's, it's like, I'm willing to act on it and not just, you know, say, I believe it. I think that's kind of, yeah. so maybe it is like faith, like a child is a child doesn't, doesn't think twice before jumping off the table into your arms. They just have confident hope that you're going to catch them. And if yeah. we, if we <laughs> yeah. have that level of faith towards, towards, you know, Christ, that's, that is kind of the confident hope that we're called to have. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Paul says, basically you already have confident hope Christians yeah. in the gospel. What you lack is complete knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mm -hmm. And one of my questions was, are we ever going to have complete knowledge or should, are we always just going to live in the confident hope place? And so therefore our posture should always be open-handed. Yeah. Can I we attain complete knowledge? I tend to think the answer is no, because God is infinite and because God is his, like, it's basically like this. Imagine that you're on an island, the island of, of knowledge of God, and you want to go and you want to explore every inch of the island. But every time you like get around the island, the island is raising farther and farther out of the ocean. So there's more and more coastline to explore. It's like, there's no way you're ever going to get there because it just continues to grow and expand. And so every time mm -hmm. your knowledge expands, you've got more to explore. And so I, I don't think we can ever fully get there. Not this side of new creation. Um, yeah. Because frankly, we're, it's like, I, I've talked a lot about like in the past about like flatland. It's like, we are two dimensional creatures and God is three dimensional. <laughs> it's, we can't even begin to comprehend the, the, I mean, think about a God who, who is outside of time. I mean, we've talked about this before. It, it starts to really bend your brain in knots, but um, yeah, I think, I think that doesn't mean we shouldn't seek, seek to grow in our knowledge. Mm -hmm. The point is that we would grow so that we could bear fruit. But to say, to say that we're ever going to get there, I, I don't personally believe that. Mm -hmm. It's looking from yeah, some of the scriptures that you shared that it, it might be more of a both and situation. Because mm. I think that's one of the questions, one of the many questions that I walked away from your message with is, well, what can we know? Mm -hmm. You know, like if we're holding our faith with open palms, I think that starts to make some people nervous when mm -hmm. they're like, well, I'm not going to question Christ's death and resurrection. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're holding firm to that. That's our confident hope. Like, so what, what is it okay to, to be concrete about, to, to feel like, no, we're going to hold fast to this. This is what we know. Mm -hmm. um, and then what are the things that no, okay, that's, that's dogmatic or that's, you know, the things I don't want to hold to to um, like, like the professor example that you gave in your message, the things that I don't yeah. want to hold so fast to that it, you know, widens the credibility gap, you know, to people around me and makes me a very rigid, you know, dogmatic person. Um, what do we hold tightly to? What do we not hold tightly to is right. one of the questions. But um, in Colossians, you, you put it in the app notes. Um, 
Paul is praying. He said, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's asking the heavenly father to, to give them knowledge and all the while they will grow as mm-hmm. they learn to know God better and better. Mm-hmm. So new, can King it be a both and situation? Like, yes, he says, if any of you ask lacks wisdom, you know, let him ask the father who gives freely, you know, to any who asks. So he, he will give us wisdom, mm-hmm. but all the while we are still growing, still humbly yeah. pursuing that truth together. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's a great question, Marin. Like what, what can we hold on to? And I think, I, I think it's helpful to think about faith in terms of what foundation are we building our faith on? Because the foundation can't be changed as you build the building that, that mm-hmm. foundation is rock solid. It's what it's all built on. And the question is, what is our foundation? And I actually included this in the message and then took it out for time. Um, but one of the things I, I said that I think we would be worth us teaching ourselves to say is the phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord, which sounds very bibl- biblical and churchy and stuff. But basically that to me, the, the idea of the, the, the human historical man named Jesus what, who was the divine Christ, the cosmic Christ through whom all of creation was created, uh, is Lord is a way of saying is the one who's, who is the king of my life, who is calling the shots of my life. That de- declaration right there is the foundation of all mm-hmm. faith. And frankly, if you look through the New Testament, what you see is that Jesus Christ is Lord or some variation of those words. That is the core of every declaration of faith that you see from Paul, from Peter, from the other apostles. Like that is the core of our faith. That is the foundation. And so I I guess what I would say is rather than talking about it as holding tightly to that, I would say build on that. Let that be your foundation. Mm. Don't build on another foundation. And I mean, I'm even saying like, don't build on another foundation such as the Bible is true or the foundation of my denomination is right. Like don't, uh, and those, I know that's controversial to say that, but like the Bible is true comes after Jesus Christ is Lord. The early Christians didn't have the new Testament and yet they believed Jesus Christ is Lord. They had that foundation. I, Hmm. I guess that's getting probably too provocative, but all I'm saying is the foundation that we build our life on needs the thing that we can have that confident hope in that unwavering hope in is Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, and, and part of what that means is, Mm. and that he, as this divine human revel self revelation of God gave himself in love for us on the cross and rose again to defeat death. Like that's what grows out of that foundation. So to me, all of what I just said, that, that little cluster of ideas, that's the core, that's the foundation and the rest of it is built on it. And then I think to think about how many steps does it take to get to some other theological proposition, like to get to the idea of like, should women wear skirts in church? is so many steps removed from Jesus Christ as Lord. It may be connected in some long, far off way or using this particular passage of scripture in that way, but it's so far from the core that it does not, it does not make sense to me to hold it dogmatically. And so we shouldn't be punishing other people or forcing other people to believe that. Um, what we should be doing is inviting others to build their lives on the same foundation that we are of Jesus Christ as Lord, because it's transformed us. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm being so, crazy. 
No, no, no. no. It, it's interesting that you say that. I think a few minutes ago you said the the New Testament they or the the early church did not have the New Testament. Right. They had Jesus is Lord. Right. <laughs> and that was the foundation upon which they built. I think it's easy especially for some of us who grew up in the church or for even people who are newer to Christianity to be like, okay, Jesus is Lord because the Bible tells me so. Right. Right. Like, didn't we all grow up singing the Bible tells me so if we right. grew up in church? So that has been the pat answer. Right. Well, the Bible says it, the Bible tells me so, you know? Right. And, um, and hear me, everybody. I'm not saying, obviously I'm the biggest Bible nerd in the world. I love, I love scripture and it's got so much authority in my life. I'm not saying the Bible's not true. What I'm saying is, that the Bible, that Jesus is Lord and the Bible testifies to that, mm. not the Bible is true. And it tells me that Jesus Christ is Lord and therefore I'm going to believe it. You see the difference? It's like, which one yeah. is the actual, which one is the starting point? And to me, Jesus Christ is Lord is the starting point, not mm. the Bible is reliable or true or whatever. The Bible testifies to that fact. And we can understand how to live into that and understand it and build on that foundation through scripture. And that's why it has authority in our lives. But mm. what really matters is that declaration in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm in college right now and we're just sitting in a dark room with a lava lamp and <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and this is, man, we're about to go on a whole rabbit trail, but um, one of the things I've talked to in my message, I mentioned how skeptical I am. And one of the things that has really helped me, Tyler, you mentioned, you know, debating, can you prove whether God exists or doesn't? Um, one of the things that has really helped me, and if you're an atheist and you're listening to this, here's how I've worked my way through th these kinds of questions. I, I don't know that we have a ton of atheist listeners, but <laughs> what I've, what I've realized is, um, <laughs> there is no way, and this has been, I mean, this is pretty much accepted in philosophy. There is no way to prove that we are not living in the matrix or in some kind of computer simulation. There is no way to prove that there is not an infinite number of multiverses that we are just turning in one the random tables. one. You're turning Hold the on. tables on them. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying there's no way to prove that we're not living in a simulation. We may very well be computer programs. We just, there's no way to know. There's no way we could ever know. You guys might just be lines of code that I am, or maybe I'm lines of code and that you're whatever. So because of that, we have a choice and this is getting into purely my own way of thinking about the world, but we have a choice of what our epistemology is going to be. What is our, how do we go about knowing what is true? And for me, I think you can choose what your starting point is. And so I, when it comes to even understanding all of reality, and so I choose to have my starting point be that there is a God of such self-giving love that he revealed himself through Jesus and, and died on the cross. So when we look at, at Christ on that cross, we are seeing the fullest expression of God and all of creation is built out of that love. And so for me, that's a choice that I'm able to make. And then I, then I can test and do, and, and does the rest of reality line up with that idea? Is it a coherent epistemology to say that like, that this like cruciform God is going to be you know, the, the origin of all things. And for me, it, it checks out that at least in my own experience and in the things that I, I believe in the things that I study about scripture, it is, is a coherent framework of reality. And so I am choosing to believe it and build my life on it. Uh, and, and I've yet to find something that, that tells me that it is not coherent or not true. 
And that's why me, a skeptical person, can dedicate my life to being a pastor of a church because it is, to me, the most coherent way to make sense of this mess of a world that we live in is, is the idea so that God are you is holding, redeeming it. Are you choosing it like this with the cl- closed fist or you no, I'm, have I'm, an open I mean, palm? No, I'm, I'm choosing it with a very much an open palm because, like, again, <laughs> there are, yeah, it, I'm, I'm trying to treat it the way that, like, true scientists treat science. It's like, if you can show me better, better proof or better data, like I will change my assumptions about the universe. And like, that's kind of how I feel. And I've yet to find anything that, that is less, or that is, that is more, uh, coherent or more frankly, beautiful to me than the idea of, of a self crucifying, self giving God. Um, so I don't know. Did I get way too off a tangent? I'm sorry. To me, it's like, it's for me, I look at all this and I'm like, it's so freaking amazing. This story that we're swept up in that I want everybody to know it and to hear it and to learn it because this story is like, it is worth giving your life to. If if mm. this is true, it's worth giving your life to. And frankly, if it's all hogwash and there is no God and all we're supposed to do is just, you know, work our, you know, work ourselves into the grave and like, whatever, like at the very least I lived my life modeled after a pretty decent dude and chose to be, you know, focused on others and whatever, all the things that, you Hmm. know, atheists would say are important for us to do regardless. So I guess all I'm saying is that's kind of how I approach (laughs) all of this. Sorry. What do you guys want to talk about? If you find out that you're part of a simulation, how's that going to, how's that going to go over with you? Huh? What'd you say? If, if Marin learn, Marin, if you learn that you're part of a simulation or you're just code, <laughs> how's that, how's that going to oh, make you feel? Well, that's all, that's like Barry's thing. That's not really like, that's not my starting point, that guys. Says, that's, I start, that's something a line of code would say for sure. Uh, that's, I yeah, start from that's a different very place. What's your starting point? Well, no, it's, it's, it was interesting even just to hear you tell that place for you having grown up not just grown up in church, but grown up with parents who gave their life to the cause of Christ and, you know, the building of his church. And like, it's, so you had to have a unique starting point. Yeah. Otherwise it's just learned behavior, right? Like I'm doing this because the Bible tells me so, you know, other people, and I'm thinking about my mom, I'm thinking about my dad, their starting point would have been like, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, like face down in a gutter, you know, Mm -hmm. like literally they were at their lowest and God in his mercy and grace stepped in and rescued them. Mm. They didn't have to make a conscious decision that this is what I choose to believe because I haven't found anything better for them. It was, man, I, I should have died. I should have died 10 times over. Mm Mm-hmm. And the only reason I didn't is because of, of the grace of God. So again, no man comes to the father unless the spirit draws him. Hmm. And if God is infinite and the spirit is God, then he can draw us any number of ways. And for some people it might, it might come through 
that logical reasoning or whatever you just spelled out for us. And for some <laughs> people, it might was. be something that, that <laughs> they can't even explain. Or for some people, they can point to, nope, that was the day that my life was changed and I was rescued by the love of Jesus. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting even for friends of the pod or whoever's listening to think about that point of origin for you. If there is one, maybe you haven't had one yet. Hmm. Like again, if there are legions of atheists listening to this podcast, (laughs) but if not, if you have a point of origin, I wonder what that is for you. What is your launching point um, into making this faith thing, something you'd be willing to dedicate your life to? Yeah. And, and I've said this before, but, uh, remember my second message, I believe after becoming senior pastor was all about, uh, you know, there is truth, but none of us have it all. This is exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Because if, if, if I were to approach faith from a purely individualistic standpoint, all I had was like my head knowledge and my, my like way of approaching things like, and I didn't have you know, your parents' testimony of, of God saving that, like, I need that to understand God just as much as I need my own way of understanding God. And we need one another's. Mm -hmm. That's why testimonies are so important. That's why our stories are wrapped up. And that's why like God reveals himself. Yes. Most of all through Christ, um, secondarily through scripture, uh, third through his spirit and fourth through us, through, through the church, through the body of Jesus, like he reveals himself in those ways. And so, um, I think we need to listen to how God has met us because it's a part of this. Yeah. I I agree. And I, that brings me to another point about your message that made me ask a question. You were talking about that apple tree that you planted last year. Yeah. And then you said, you know, guess how many apples it bore for me last year. That's right. None, not one apple, you know, because obviously it takes years to, to grow and start producing fruit. And you said something to the effect of if that apple tree wanted to like go on Facebook and start Mm -hmm. spouting off about, you know, how to go about bearing fruit, like, it's not, it's not ready to do that because yeah. it, it hasn't borne fruit. But so many Grace Church folks are not a one-year sapling of a, of a believer. There, there are people who feel like they're rooted and grounded and, or at the very least, have been Christians for, you know, a good long time, a good long time. And so what does it look like I, for those for me, for, for people who've been doing this for a long time to, you know, have an open palmed approach to the way we, you know, share our faith or, or talk about the Bible or, or pursue truth. Th- these are all the questions I'm asking myself. Cause I'm, I'm no one year sapling when it comes to, yeah. you know, yeah. following Christ. Um, and when I was a kid, I mean, my heroes were people like C.S. Lewis, my heroes are people who can defend the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. and do they do that with an open palmed, you know, mm-hmm. am I making any sense? Are my questions yeah, yeah. making any sense right now? Yeah. Um, I, this I, is why this sermon in particular just brought so many questions to my mind personally about what this means for, for me and for people like me who've been walking this road for a while. Well, I think, I mean, what it boils down to, I think, Marin, you've already probably learned this. You probably do this naturally, but like when talking about your faith or when defending your faith or whatever, it, it's not coming from a place of hostility. And I'm going to try to force you into my way of thinking. It's from a place of, this is what God has done for me. And this is how I've changed. And I think the real difference is just, we tend to approach 
again, these, the atheists I keep quoting, by the way, if you are an atheist, like, I'm so glad you're listening to us. That's great. Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm serious. Like, thank you for being a part of this conversation, but we're talking about like, you know, you know, talking to someone who's an atheist about, about your faith or whatever, someone who's got questions and our, our just, our tendency is to want to try to, we want to change their mind. We don't want to know what they're thinking. We don't want to know what their story is. We want to change their mind, like force them into our way of thinking. And I, all I'm saying is if we really want someone to know the love of Jesus and to build this on the same foundation that we've built our lives on, then we've got to ask questions. We've got to acknowledge that we don't know it all. Like it's, it's, it's a posture in which we share the, the fruitfulness of our many years growing in Jesus, but it's, it's from a place of, of abundance instead of a place of, um, aggressiveness or a place of opposition. I think that's really what I'm getting at. Um, like I can, Marin, I can imagine if you were to sit down with someone who's like, Oh, I hate Christians. You wouldn't be like, well, you shouldn't. And let me tell you why. I don't think that's what you'd say. You'd probably say, well, tell me more. Why, why is that the case? Like, have you had bad experiences? I've had bad experiences too. Let me tell you about my experiences, mm -hmm. but here's why I'm here. You know, that's what I'm, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I think your approach would not be a tight fisted approach to that person. It would be open palmed. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about when I get into a topic, when I get into something, whether it's historically, whether it's board games, whether it's the mafia mm -hmm. or Lord of the Rings, whatever, whatever the thing is, I like do deep dives on it. I read every book I can possibly read about the thing. I watch every video about how to play the game or I read the, the entire instruction book. I want to know what everybody says about this. And I, I go into the, into conversations. Like there was a season where I was like really into the mafia. I was going to say, how did I miss that one? I only know I board know. game, Tyler. I don't know mafia. No, I was Tyler. really into it. I, I wasn't in the mafia, but I wish <laughs> I had been in the mafia during that time. I was like, man, this My is just so goodness. fascinating. Organized crime. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> any particular mafia? But like, are we talking like, like Italian, Gambino. the Italian, Italian mafia, Chicago, like the eighties. New York 70s and 80s. Yeah. New York. Okay. Gambinos. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Gambinos. Um, you're listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I never had conversations with anyone about the mafia. I mean, maybe my wife, but it was always a conversation like this. Like I know everything there is to know about this thing. Sure. And it's clenched fist. And it's like, I wasn't saying I could be wrong about mafia mm. stuff, but I, I wasn't going in there with like that. I was like, I've read everything. I know where they're at, what they're everything there is to know about this. I know how they all, I know the rise and fall, like the whole thing. Sure. And this topic about my faith, historically, I've had the opposite posture my entire life. It's like, tell me more. I wake up every day being like, what if I'm wrong? Hmm. Uh, I ask people that are not believers why they believe. like, I've had that posture. And so I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's hmm. because it's, I'm sitting here thinking like in every other part of my life, like I want to know everything and I want to be able to prove everything. And I want to be able to be the expert on the thing, but this is one thing that I will never be the expert on. And so I don't know if it's, a, it's, if I've seen it as a good thing, because it's like, I'm almost 
I'm almost, it's almost like I'll never do it anyways. So I'll never be the expert. I'll never have the, what did Paul call it? The complete knowledge. Mm. Um, and the whole thing of like Christians and atheists and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't, I think I shared the couple weeks ago talking about like when I was on the beach mm-hmm. and yeah. I, that dude almost wanted to hurt me. And I was like yeah. 14 like that stuff like that. I'm, I've always just been like, Hey, I don't know. Hope and palm. Like I could be wrong. I hope I'm not, but this is my faith and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why, I don't know why, I don't know why I've always been like that. And so I've always kind of assumed it's a bad thing, but it seems like this is not a bad thing. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've been I, more open palmed <laughs> about this than anything else I've ever been interested in. Hmm. I'll say this, Tyler. I don't know too many people, Christians our age who are like routinely playing board games with atheists or people who don't yeah. believe in God, but you do. And there's yeah. a reason that you're in relationship and in community with people who don't believe. And it's because you yeah. have open palms. I, I suppose there's, there's always the risk of saying, yeah. well, I'm never going to be a giant a giant tree. I'm never going to reach full knowledge. So I guess I'll give up, which I don't think that's what no, we're I'm saying, not saying at all. Give up. Yeah. But it's more like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the passionate pursuit of truth, the passionate pursuit of, of God and, and growing in your faith and developing that spiritual wisdom and all that. Well, while doing it in a way that's humble. I mean, we've all had professors that were passionate or teachers who were passionate about a topic so much so that, that it drew you in and you wanted to learn more. And yeah. we've also had teachers yeah. who like, were, were basically like, if you don't get this right, like you're, there's not even, why are you even in my classroom? Like blah, 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 you know? And there's a difference. Like they mo- they both know a lot, but there's one of them that draws us and makes us want to learn more. There's a reason mm-hmm. like people are like, I wanted to be in a historian when I grew up because I had a great history teacher or whatever. It's like, it's that way that we hold the truth that, that mm-hmm. draws people in or repels them. It's not the fact that they know a lot or don't, I guess. Mm-hmm. I did a, I did a handful of funerals last year. And for some of those funerals, especially if it was, you know, a saint, a saint in, in the church and mm. a person of faith who'd been doing it for a long time the the comments and the tributes that I kept hearing were more about the way that that mm. individual lived their lives out in front of mm. the people around them. Yeah. And less about like, boy, did he just quote scripture to me all the time and <laughs> give me chapter and verse. Like mm-hmm. sure you could tell that right. the scripture transformed them from the inside out and that that was visible in the way they lived out their faith and lived their lives day to day. Um, yeah. There's a, a pastor mentor of mine. Um, I just was talking on the phone with him yesterday morning. Just he's asking me how things are going and such a great listener, such a great listener. Um, full-time ministry for 40 years. And because he's so much further down the road than I am, I just want to learn from him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to, 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 you know, push the, you know, doctrine and philosophy and theology on me. I want to know yeah. because he is just this fruit tree. That's just a wealth mm-hmm. of awesomeness and knowledge. And I just want to glean as much as I, as I can from him. You know, I told Jed last night, uh, he ended our conversation with a, a funny little quote from one of our favorite movies. He's like, 
listen, Marin, I know you think I'm busy and I am busy, but I will always find the time to have these conversations. Mm. He's like, I'm your Huckleberry. And I just started cracking up because <laughs> that is like the kind of like faithful friend that this person has been. Mm hmm. And the kind of faithful friend that I want to be to somebody now and 40 years down the road, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that it's not um, theology for theology's sake or doctrine for doctrine's sake. But like, let that word that I'm reading dwell within me richly and like come out my pores and shine mm -hmm. in the way that I live my life so that people around me they'll have that credibility gap closed just by the spirit they see in yeah. me and the way that I live. Hmm. Yeah. Let's not forget. I mean, he says, you know, he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work. And as you grow in the knowledge of God, it's like the purpose of all of it is for bearing fruit. And that's not fruit mm -hmm. of knowledge. It's fruit in the way we live. It's the lived fruit of, of our faith. That's the ultimate point. And that's what will draw other people in. One of the practical things you said <clears throat> that we need to say um, or think or Teach ask, ourselves to say, yeah. Yeah, to... to to grow and wonder is asking the question why. Yeah. Why? <clears throat> and this is, yeah. <laughs> Did you get that sound bite? What do you mean? No. Tyler used to lift some of your greater moments. And oh. I think that was a real missed opportunity. <laughs> if he did not get at the very end when you were repeating oh, those three yeah, yeah, questions, yeah. Yeah. Barry, and you said, why? Why? I want that sound bite. It's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's easier to get sound bites. And it's more fun to get sound bites when you guys can hear them in the same space. <laughs> That's for true. over a year. Why? It's just been me listening to these things, just chuckling so, to himself while we're like, yeah, what it's, is been, even? it's been less, yeah. it's been less fun. Uh, anyways, asking why. And it got me thinking like, uh, everybody's an expert on everything now. Like I'm a mafia expert. <laughs> uh, but if you want to sell a house, you become an expert in real estate. If you have an ailment, you become an expert on WebMD, all these things. <clears throat> and I wonder if this has always been the case where like the, it's not a virtue, but the, 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 the idea of curiosity has, has left the building, so to speak, mm. on our culture <clears throat> and society and possibly church. Um, because it's something that anytime I take a personality test, it's like I'm crossing my fingers that curiosity shows up somewhere because I never, ever, ever, ever want to lose curiosity ever. Mm. Uh, I always want to know more, learn more. Um, I don't, I don't not want to be curious. And mm -hmm. so I, I don't know if I have a question other than like, when, when do you think we lost that as Christians, where do you think we lost the, the curiosity part? Because I feel like, I feel like that's like everybody, whether you're Christian or not, like, or we kind of, we all kind of think we have it. We have it figured out. We have life figured out in the curiosity part. 
of being a Christian and understanding what other people think and feel and believe. I feel like that's really important. And so I'm glad you you included why, but I'm, I'm wondering if you guys feel like we as a society or we as a church have become less curious. I think we have. I think we've we've kind of left it up to the academics and the professionals to figure things out. And then, I don't know, we just expect someone to tell us what to believe or what to what's the right answer. And we don't think we don't seem to think that we have it within ourselves to begin asking those kinds of questions and coming to answers on our own, even with even with like scripture, instead of studying it and, yeah. inter- and meditating on it and coming to our conclusions, we we just kind of wait and look up what, what does some pastor say or what does this authority figure say about it? Because then that'll be the meaning. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. Either way, I feel like that question of why is going to be the key to being a multi-generational church. Hmm. Because I know people who can ask the question. I know people who want to learn from the Tim Ayers and the people who are, like you said, the academics, hmm. the the older than them, highly revered people of faith. But they don't want to turn around and ask questions to the 20 something, right? you know, coming up behind them because they don't feel they have anything they could learn from that 20 something. You know? Yeah. So I feel like that question of why goes all the way around. Mm. I want to ask my kids why as much as I want to ask Tim why. And I want to engage in rich conversations um, with all these generations. Um, I don't know that, that, that question really stuck out to me is it requires a posture of humility to even ask why Mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, well, maybe not necessarily so. I guess you, you can you can ask why and still be coming from a place of, you know, trying to trap somebody or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can ask why. I can ask my teenagers why in a way that is humble and genuine or mm-hmm. I can ask them why in a way that is like exasperated and frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess there's a different way, you know, you can approach that word. But I think that it'll be vital um, and a good litmus test for your own humility if you can ask questions of somebody, you know, who's older than you, but you, you really don't want to bother with those whippersnappers coming up behind you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that answers that, I guess. (laughs) Uh, before we turn the page on the credibility gap, what, what do you ultimately hope people took away or heard from this series? What do you hope everybody kind of experienced together? Are you asking me? I think, yeah, I think basically at the end of the day, I hope people will, will take away that we all have a responsibility to pay attention to how we are approaching our world and how we are approaching our faith in our world. And I mean, I know it's really tempting for us to focus on our desires and our needs and what is church for me and what's my Christian faith. And like, it's all about me. But genuinely, we are watching an entire generation and not just young people, but entire there's an entire movement in our culture of people leaving the church and walking away from faith and and people who would never even consider entering a church in the first place. And if we're just sitting around asking ourselves about ourselves and not focused on what do we do to reach them, then I think we've really missed the the call that's on us to make disciples of all nations. And and so. I guess I would just say, I hope, I hope we, we take it seriously that the way we live out our faith in our world matters because lives are at stake. And, Hmm. um, that's kind of a heavy 
way, way to put it, but like this stuff matters. This is not just about a reputation. It's not just about our popularity. This is about lives hanging in the balance who need the love of Jesus. And the way that we live out our faith can actually lead to whether or not someone will get to know him in a way that transforms yeah. theirs. <clears throat> I think for me, one of my takeaways is um, just him sharing some of his stories and how there was, you know, one, maybe two individuals that moved toward him in love in such a way that helped to close that credibility gap yeah. and look at him dedicating his life, you know, to ministry. Barry, the same for you. There was, you know, a professor back in the day who may have threatened all of this just by his, you know, mm -hmm. dogma and kind of harshness and careless words. Um, and so just the power of the individual, the power of one voice, the power that each of us has, um, can't be overstated, hmm. um, that we each have the ability, um, to move towards someone in love and help close that credibility gap. Or on the other side of that coin, we have the potential to do some real harm. So, yeah. um, to just do it, live out this life cautiously, humbly, faithfully, and hmm. yeah. All right. Where do we go next, Barry? What are we doing? Uh, we're starting a new series that leads up to Easter called What If? And we're asking big questions about uh, Jesus. What if it, kind of to challenge ourselves to ask the question why we're going to ask, like, what if Jesus never lived? What if he never taught? What if he never died? What if he never rose again? How would our world be different? And I think by doing that, we're going to end up learning a lot about what the person of Jesus and his death and resurrection, what it actually brought into our world and how things actually changed um, in our, in our reality because of what he did and who he was. So I think, I think it's going to be cool, provocative. It'll, it'll be a little theological, but it'll be um, again, an invitation to wonder and not just a, uh, a piece of knowledge to, to bash people over the heads with. <laughs> All right. All right. Are you, you're preaching this it'll coming weekend? Yep. Yep. All right. So we'll be back next week. In the meantime, Marion, can you please send us out? I sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. We'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 